0: Join me, if you will, uh, in reading our text for the day, Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterward he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, All these I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. May God add a blessing to this reading of the text and cause it to be the inspired word for us today. So we are in the season of Lent. It's a time of... Fasting when uh, and it, it, that actually commemorates this or reenacts this forty days and forty nights in the wilderness. It's uh, it's a time of uh, of repentance. It's a time of self examination. It's a time of searching and allowing the Holy Spirit to show you things that you need to work on and how you might draw closer to God. And allow God to draw closer to you. And this is because it commemorates Jesus' fast. This is often why people give uh, something up uh, over Lent. Uh, I'm not a quitter, so I'm not giving anything up, but uh, other people are. And it's an exercise in in discipline and uh, teaches us faith. You'll notice that it, it commemorates 40 days, but there's actually like 45, 46 days involved. And that's because Sunday... Is the Lord's Day, and it's not considered a fast day. So it's really the other days leading up to Easter from Ash Wednesday that lead up to, to, uh, East. It's 40 days, not including Sunday. So just a little technical note for you there. But we, we initiate our Sunday, uh, Lenten series with, The temptation of Jesus, which comes right after Jesus' baptism. Jesus is baptized and then immediately led by the Spirit out into the wilderness. Uh, This story here, retold from Mark and another source that Matthew shares with you, with Luke, is in all three versions of the Bible and the, uh, uh, of the, both Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And it's clear, that this journey into the wilderness is a time of spiritual cleansing for Christ, newly baptized, and is now being girded through testing for the tasks which God has called Jesus to do. Yet Matthew has some interesting uh, details added to it. For instance, where Mark and Luke only mention 40 days in the wilderness, Matthew goes out of his way to call it 40 days and forty nights, and this evokes many a great many references from the Hebrew Bible. Noah and the inhabitants of the ark endured forty days and forty nights of rain. Elijah fasted for forty days and forty nights on Mount Horeb before encountering God and being led away uh, to a new ministry and a new calling. However, it is Moses that Matthew relates Jesus to most closely, uh, Moses, who came through the Red Sea and led the people out into the wilderness and went up to Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments over the course of 40 days and 40 nights, we are told. In the same way, Jesus comes out of the baptismal waters and goes out into the wilderness and spends 40 days and 40 nights relying on that word that came to Moses out in the in the uh, wilderness. For Matthew, drawing on the leadership of Moses to point to the nature and the character of Jesus presents a contrast between Moses and other leaders of God's people. The dynasty of King David was notoriously self-serving. Think of the whole Bathsheba thing, which I won't get into here, but... Uh, very self-serving. Yet Moses learned the humbling message of manna in the wilderness that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's found in Deuteronomy 8, 1 and 2. So too, Jesus draws from this lesson learned by Moses. The Davidic kings tested God's patience for years, over and over again, defying God and what God had in store. But Moses learned the lesson of Massah. Trust in God and do not put the Lord your God to test. Deuteronomy 6, 14-16 And the kings of Judah and Israel had no end to their imperial hopes and schemes, but Moses saw no allure and lived to, quote, worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. Deuteronomy 4.8 And Jesus called on this wisdom that brought to us from Moses in order to expel the devil and all the temptation that came with it. You know, I've often seen when I've read this story a recipe for you and me and our own temptation for how to resist temptation when it comes to us after all in this story jesus performs no miracles jesus doesn't call on his divine power jesus merely uses the power of scripture the power of the wisdom that came to us through moses through deuteronomy and other texts and the spirit of god to get him through his time of testing yet today when i reread this story in preparation for this morning as I approach this text, I'm wondering if this is less about our temptation that comes from the evil out there and more about the temptation we present to Jesus that comes from within ourselves. I wonder, in the face of a culture that would pray for Christ to turn rocks into bread, we are told to feed ourselves on the Word of God. I wonder. I wonder when we would ask for a sign if we here are told not to test God, but to trust God. I wonder as we would beg God to take back the world from evil that seems to be in charge, if we are reminded that the world is already God's and everything in it, and that we need only worship And serve God alone. I wonder if in this story we find ourselves to be the tempter. Turning to a God of our own creation. Paul Tillich, a giant among modern theologians, said this, We long for a Christ of power. Yet if He were to come and transform us, And our world. We should have to pay the one price which we could not pay. We would have to lose our freedom. Our humanity. And our spiritual dignity. Perhaps we would be happier. But we would also be lower beings. Our present misery, struggle and despair notwithstanding. Those who dream of a better life. And try to avoid the cross as the way. And those who hope for a Christ and attempt to exclude the crucified have no knowledge of the mystery of God and humanity." It is a great temptation for us to want Jesus to set things up in our favor and put things right. Yet Tillich is right. The cost is too high of our freedom It is in our most desperate times, our prayers are to take away that which is causing us pain. When someone we love is sick or hurting, we beg Jesus to heal them. And if we were in charge, we would take away every pain, every sorrow, every challenge. When we are wounded, we plead for ourselves. Why me, God? And we would beg God, take away these struggles, these heartaches. And we beg for relief. And when life beats down on us, we cry for justice. And when tragedy comes into our sight, we become indignant. And often we even walk away. If we were in charge, Things would be different. If we were God, things would be different. I would take away that pain. I would take away that struggle. I would undo that hurt that's been done to you and to me. I would bring back those loves we've lost. I would bring back those things we miss most. Those people we miss most. If I were God, I would make it all better. It is our, our longing and our temptation and our desire. It's frustrating when we can't fix it. And we can't make it better. And we plead to God to do what we can't do. Make it better. Fix this. Children are suffering. Fix this. People are hurting. Fix this. And our faith is that God has the power. Where is the will? And yet, we are faced with a God who says, I've done everything you need. While Christ does not do what we would want Christ to do like a genie in a bottle, we are not just ignored. Jesus says, I'm not just going to snap my fingers and make every problem go away. I'm not just going to turn it all around for you. I'm not just going to take away these struggles. I'm not a genie. I'm not three wishes you make. But Jesus responds, not leaving us to struggle on our own, In the same way the wisdom of Moses attended to Jesus in his moment of need, so too Christ's presence attends to our needs. Amen? In 2 Corinthians, Paul reveals something very personal to you and me. Paul says, I have, he's plagued with this ailment which he calls a thorn in his flesh. And for years and years and years, something that is debilitating, and I won't get into all the theories about what it might be, but something is debilitating to Paul and he lugs it around and it It's frustrating for him because it causes him; it makes him unable to do the ministry he wants to do, and he doesn't see the rationale. He doesn't see why is God afflicting me like this. I could be so much better if God would just take this thorn from my side. And he tells you and me in his letter to the Corinthians, his second letter to the Corinthians, in verse in chapter twelve, he says, "I." I prayed for this and I begged for this but God's answer came to me my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in your weakness my grace is sufficient for you God I could do so much better if you would just give me a big pile of money right I would be so generous I could be so much more generous than I am now right I I would I would too. Right? Try me. Try me out, God. Give me a bunch of money and see how good I could be with that. Help me out. God, I could do so I could be so much better if if uh, I just had, you know, this or that. If I weren't so tired all the time or if I weren't so sick or if I didn't have all these struggles or I didn't have all these pains. If I just had a better job, if I just had a better husband, if I just had a better life. God, I could take care of all this. I could be such a better Christian if I had a better situation. My grace is sufficient for You. And My power is made perfect in Your weakness. We the church, the individual followers of Christ, the world, we are the devil in this story. Asking Jesus to be something He's not. Yet Jesus reminds us, My grace is sufficient for all that you need. You have been equipped, says Jesus. You have been entrusted with all that you need to accomplish all that you could ever hope or desire even more I think Jesus says, you know what? You haven't done much with what I have given you. You should do more with what I've given you already. Then we'll talk about what else you can get. I've given you everything you need to be great and to accomplish God-sized things. You have everything you need. Jesus reminds us We have all that we need to address the ills of this world and our own ills as well. We have what we need to get through life's trials. What Jesus offers us is sufficient grace. The unmerited favor of God known to us through the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. So as we go through Lent, perhaps giving something up, or at least reflecting on our weaknesses and our shortfalls, looking closely at the choices we make, looking closely at the kind of person we want to be, looking and taking stock of our life, and maybe looking at the blessings along with the woes Jesus reminds us that we have within ourselves by the virtue of the Holy Spirit, all that we need to be the person we want to be, to be the person God created us to be. We don't need a miracle. We don't need God to instantly snap His fingers And change it all. Change has already been made in here. Through that loving Spirit of God and through Jesus who suffered for us not just on the cross but out in the wilderness facing down a tempter who would trip Him up and cause Him to fall. And yet, He stood high. He got up. And He marched on through that lonesome valley that we sang about this morning. As we enter into this Lenten time, we can remember we don't need a miracle. Because we have sufficient grace. Let us pray great and loving God, the One who comes alongside, who carries us through our deepest sorrows and our most challenging times, the God whom we turn to when it all just seems too much, our prayer would be that you fix it all. Just fix it. Maybe even take us home. Yet we recognize that You have called us to live lives in which Your grace abounds and Your power is made perfect in our weakness and our reliance on You. We thank You that You are sufficient in Your grace. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.